welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thank you, darling. Um, I'm glad to know I'm your favourite preach. That's a real... That's a real <laughs> I'd be concerned if it was somebody else, but it's great to see you. <laughs> and I'll be fine with that, actually. I'll be fine with that. It's great to see you this morning. Um, we're carrying on our series in the book of Proverbs. So if you've got your Bible, can you turn to Proverbs chapter 7? Now, you were scheduled to have the wonderful Ben Robinson today, but Ben has actually got COVID, so he can't be preaching. But I'm working with a lot of his preparation. So if you love it, compliments and shout out to Ben. Thank you for all the hard work you put in. Uh, so we're carrying on our series called Wise Up, looking at God's wisdom that we see in the book of Proverbs. Now, we've covered subjects. Well, what have we covered so far? Have you been listening? Money, great. What else have we covered? Speech. Work. We've covered a whole range of stuff so far, haven't we? And we're going to look today at a subject called temptation. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. It's a big topic and one that we'll all have some experience in. So before we get started, I'd love us to pray that the Lord would help us stay present and listen to what he has to say to us in this moment. Can we do that together, friends? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for your incredible love for each one of us. We pray that you would move amongst us by your spirit, both here and online. And let us hear your loving word to each of us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Proverbs is split up into different sections. You probably know that if you've come across the Bible before. And it's got some of those wise one-liners, those wise phrases or proverbs that are there. We also find poetry in the book of Proverbs. But also we get these conversations, this, this heartfelt outpouring of love from one generation to the next. In the Proverbs, it's actually a father to a son. But it's actually this wisdom of one generation to the next, just pouring in love and concern. And that is where we're going to find ourselves today. We're going to plant ourselves in one of those conversations between a father and a son. It's Proverbs chapter 7. But maybe just to get things started, we could turn in twos and threes and say, what's the biggest temptation you're facing right now? Only kidding, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Anxiety in the room goes up. <laughs> we could do that to start the conversation. <laughs> Your most besetting sin. Oh, that's a bit of nervous energy. I heard, about, I heard about three vicars got together. They were just having a little kind of minister's fraternal, just sharing things. And they said, let's just pray for each other and be vulnerable as vicars and say, what are some of the things that you're struggling with? And one vicar said, you know, for me, it's the communion. When I pour out the communion wine and we serve communion, it's really quite strong stuff. And sometimes I pour in a bit more than I need to, because actually at the end of the service, you have to finish it off yourself. And I'm just tippling a bit with the alcohol. That's my besetting kind of temptation. The next guy said, well, for me, it's actually, it's the offering. Sometimes I occasionally just, I'm dreadful to say it, but I take a sneaky 20 quid out of the offering and I just use it personally. And the last guy said, well, I said, I said, mine's gossip and I can't wait to leave this meeting. <laughs> temptation, big subject matter. What do we actually mean when we talk about temptation? Why is it important that we're aware of it? Well, temptation can be something within us or something outside of us that moves us to act against what God wants us to do. It's something that pulls us away from God's best for us in every moment and every choice. That could either be tempted to do something that God doesn't want us to do, like gossip or lie or cheat or grumble or sexual sin, or it could mean being tempted 
to not do something that God actually wants us to do, like to stand up for the truth or to confront injustice or to read our Bible or to pray for others or to share our faith. So temptation is an ever-present part of life. The Bible really clearly says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, but wasn't with sin. So although temptation, that, that kind of propensity to kind of go somewhere, that environment of temptation isn't sin, it can lead us to a place of sin, stepping off God's best and choosing our own way in a way that damages us. And that's why it's important to take time to look at God's word and how we can avoid with and deal with it. But it's also good to know that God shares his wisdom with us so that we can avoid temptation, or at least in the midst of temptation, make good choices that we won't regret. Uh, Ben, who helped prepare this, and also our youngest daughter Esther are trained accountants, and they're in that process. And part of the training is to look at case studies of businesses. They'll get some information, they have to analyse the information about a company they're looking at. And what they have to do is spot the potential threats to the company, assess areas where that company might be vulnerable to fraud or kind of business risks, and then look at the positive financial impact that could be had on that firm if they made some changes. Well, as we approach Proverbs chapter 7 and this subject of temptation, uh, this is a helpful framework to have. I think it's helpful to have this case study kind of approach, identifying the potential dangers, looking at how they could be avoided, and the positive outcomes of applying God's wisdom. This passage in Proverbs chapter 7, the conversation between the dad and the son, focuses on one area, particularly it focuses on sexual temptation, and the ways that we can address temptation are actually not just contained to that area of life, they're actually relevant for lots of different areas. So the characters and the scenarios could change. It could be about financial temptation, or other areas of compromise, but the conversation starts in the sexual realm, but just take the principles and say, this is something that God can help me apply to different areas of temptation. So what what can we learn from this case study? Well, the first thing we can draw out from this case study, if we look in Proverbs chapter 7, so if you've got your Bibles turned there, we're going to look at the verses, is that we need to avoid putting ourselves in situations where we can be tempted. Let's look at verses 7 to 9, just for some context. When it says her, it's referring to the adulterous woman who's the protagonist here, uh, who's mentioned a few verses earlier. Dad, chatting to son, I saw among the simple, I noticed a young man, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. So the verse is showing us that responsibility is often on us to, not to put ourselves in harm's way, not to mess with or go near to those environments of temptation. Verse 8 says he was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. He was set in a direction of moving towards temptation. Just for a minute, imagine a little less scenario. Imagine you've just inherited a lovely house at the top of a hill. Next picture, if we can. You've just kind of had this lovely inheritance. You've got a huge, big mansion at the top of a mountain. And you've also got quite a lot of money to go with it. And to get to your house, you've got to go this long, winding road. And it's a very narrow uh, road with a sheer drop on one side. Now, you've got enough money to hire a chauffeur. So you're interviewing three potential candidates who could be your chauffeur and drive you up this hill. And the final question you ask is, how close could you take me to the edge without me being in danger? And the first driver says, well, I could take you within half a metre of the edge and you'd be completely safe. And the second driver says, I could take you within about 10 centimetres of the edge. You'd be fine. I'm a great driver. Now, the third driver says, do you know what? I just wouldn't take you near the edge. (laughs) 
Now, it's not a great analogy, but it illustrates the approach we take when dealing with temptation. We shouldn't see how close to the edge we can get without falling off. That's not wisdom. This young man, his temptation started with a choice. He was going down the street near her corner. He chose to be in an environment. He was putting himself in a situation of temptation. Certain places or friends increase the probability of temptation for you or me. Certain environments, certain people, certain things we can watch, certain places we can go, actually just increase the probability of temptation for us. So if we struggle with temptation to gamble, then don't walk past those betting shops. If we struggle with pornography, maybe don't take your phone into your room at at night last thing. If you're tired and vulnerable, there are certain websites that trigger you or certain channels, then change your TV package. Basically, fill in the blanks for you. If you struggle with this, then avoid that. I had a friend who travelled a lot with work, just international travel with his business, and he would often find himself staying in hotel rooms on his own. And he felt that for him, the TV was a two couple of things, a time waster, but also he was very tempted whilst alone to watch adult channels or movies. And so the first thing he did when he got into his hotel room, he made this decision in advance, having chatted it through with a friend. He would get a towel from the bathroom, a big bath towel, and he'd drape that big white towel over the TV set. And um, he just thought, you know what? This is a visual reminder that I'm here to honour God. And while I'm away from home, this hotel room is a place of connection with God and not compromise. I want to be mentally alert to do my job well, but I also want to be spiritually alert and not just get myself sucked into temptation. Just a practical little thing. And that came through in an accountability conversation when he shared his vulnerability with a friend and a little strategy came out that was a helpful God strategy. I wonder where the main place of temptation is for you and for me. Do you know, each of us can be aware of that, be honest with ourselves and then have a plan to avoid it. What does the proverb go on to say? Proverbs 5.8 says this, keep to a path from her. Sorry, verse, verses 5 and 8 says this, keep to a path from her, do not go near her house. Do you know, we're surrounded by temptation every day. And we can be actively avoiding those situations. Verse 10 says this, Then the woman came out to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. It's saying this woman dressed in a way to try and pull in this guy. Temptation, by its very nature, is appealing. If it wasn't tempting, you didn't want to do it, then it wouldn't have any tug on your heart, but it is appealing. And so we've got to be aware of the things that will hook our hearts and pull us off the path that God has for us. Verse 11, she's unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She's everywhere. Temptation can sometimes feel ever-present in our lives. Maybe you do well at managing your daytime life and your thought life, but then you find yourself at nighttime having dreams that are unholy or ungodly. You can chat that through with a friend and pray and say, God, would you pray? Would you help me in that space? Verse 13, she took hold of him, she kissed him, and with a brazen face, she said this, verse 14, I came out to meet you and to look for you, and I found you. She's making this guy feel like he was the unique person that she was looking for. Actually, she just had um, a desire to kind of connect with somebody, and he was just in the line, and she put her affection on him. And then she goes this final blow in verses 18 and 19 by saying this, come, let's drink deeply of love till the morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. She's trying to convince this guy that it's, this, is, this is love, not just a little one-off and a fling because her husband's away. There'll be no consequences. That's what she was trying to peddle. Do you know, this is how it goes. Temptation, there's a little equation. Temptation highlights the benefits and downplays the consequences. Hey, this will be great. This will be fun. It's not going to hurt anybody. No one will know. But the reality is completely the opposite. 
Highlight the consequences and downplay the benefits. That's the thing to try and do in our heads when we find ourselves in a place of temptation. Do you know, we need to be aware that there are times and places that we're more vulnerable to temptation. A helpful way to recognise this is the acronym HALT. You've probably heard me mention this before, but times when we're hungry, angry, lonely or tired. You can even add S on the end, which is sad or stressed. The emotional or physical state of your life right now or in a particular season of life can make a big difference to whether you are tempted. People stressed out, no work-life balance, feeling exhausted. People in caring professions where you've been caring for a lot of people but no one's caring for you. These are all things that can be environments that increase our temptation. So you need to read yourself. When we're not feeling ourselves or we're not quite on it, then we need to be conscious of the vulnerability of temptation. I think Proverbs talks about two things that are helpful here. Anticipate and question. The first thing here, anticipate. It says in verse 27 of um, uh, sorry, verse 12 of Proverbs 27, the prudent see danger and they take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. So we need to anticipate. We can't anticipate every area of temptation, but we probably know the vulnerabilities. One of the questions I like chatting to pastors about is I say, hey, listen, you're called to lead a church. If, you were gonna, if the enemy was going to try and kind of pull you off track and you were going to end up out of ministry for some reason, what is it going to be for you? What's the most likely scenario for you? Is it kind of financial impropriety? Is it relationships? Is it misuse of power? Is it control? Is it fear of people? Are you a people pleaser? What is the thing that the enemy might use as a temptation source in your life? Are you aware of that? And have you got a plan to kind of mitigate against it? We need to be honest about those things. If we can anticipate those areas of vulnerability and temptation, we can have a plan and a defence against them. <clears throat> Do you know, if you know that you're going to drink too much at your office social because the peer pressure is really strong there, then make a commitment to yourself and maybe to a friend to actually just do soft drinks there, as an example. And maybe just identify those places and spaces. You might chat to a friend in a small group and say, do you know what, the office party's coming up. Last year I didn't exactly do very well in that space. And I've told a few friends I'm a Christian, I just was really a bad witness. It's coming up again, will you pray for me? Yeah, let's pray for you, but let's have a plan. What are you going to do when somebody says, hey, I'm going to get you a drink? Sometimes just knowing our vulnerabilities and having a plan. A couple of things here, questions. Just a few questions that might help you when you're in one of those moments of temptation. Four questions. How is this going to hurt me? How is this going to hurt others? How is it going to feel tomorrow? And how will God view this? How will this hurt my relationship? If I, if I go down this route that feels very appealing right now, how will this hurt my relationships with God and others? And maybe my reputation or even my financial situation. How will this hurt my chances to share my faith and live out my faith with others if I just go along with the crowd? How will this hurt others? How could my actions right now, I mean, map it out. If I did this thing, how would this impact those around me? Who would it impact specifically? Write it out. I've done that with pastors. I said, listen, if you were to kind of breach the trust and step over a line in the sexual area or financial area, just map out how many people will be damaged by that. It's a flipping big list. People that you've led, people that you serve, people that have looked up to you, your family, your friends, map it out, friends, if you feel yourself in a tug where the temptation is strong. How will I feel about this tomorrow? Is this just a short-term temptation I need to avoid? Am I going to regret this in the morning? How will God view this? How is this going to impact my friendship with God? Is this going to pull me away from him? Is this something he wants for me? 
Do you know, the enemy tries to manipulate those things that God has set for us, those, those heartfelt commands that are for our thriving. The enemy tries to distort it. Back in Genesis, in chapter 3, when God says, you know, don't, don't eat that tree, don't eat that fruit from that tree there. There's a boundary that I've put around it. And the enemy says, did he really say that? In implication, God's just probably trying to steal a lot of fun and joy from your life. Just go for it. Did he really say? Did God really say that? Sometimes the enemy tries to undermine the truth of God's best for us. Why is it important we resist temptation? Well, it's got big implications. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 22. All at once, this young naive guy followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. What vivid language. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare. His snare is just like a word for a trap. Little knowing that it will cost him his life. Now then, my son, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Don't, listen to the language here, friends. Don't let your heart turn to her ways and don't stray in her path. It's a heart first thing. Many of the victims she's brought down, her slain and mighty, her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. The Bible's very clear that giving into temptation can set us on a path that damages us. It damages us. That's why God's big about it, because he loves us. Jesus said, I've come to bring you life in all its fullness, but the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy. And one of the ways that the enemy's plans can be activated in our life for damage, for pain and destruction is when we go off God's path. That's why it's a big deal. Do you know, unchecked appetites or attitudes or passions or things that are just left to run right in our hearts can damage us. That's what the Bible is clearly saying. So don't let your heart turn to her ways or stray to our paths. You know, often sin or making a decision to go our own way and not God's way starts at a heart, a fantasy, a thought level, and then leads out into actions. We, we, we often let temptation mull in here before we act out. Maybe you're in the midst of temptation right now. Maybe you've just made some decisions that are, um, honestly, they're a compromise from God's best for you. Hey, there's, there's always a way back with God. There's always grace. No matter what you've done or are doing, God can forgive you and put you back on the right path that's good for you and good for your faith and good for your future. What do we do if we recognise some temptation going on? Well, we can look to God for wisdom. Just look at verse, um, the next few verses. In the start of chapter 7, verses 1 there. My son... Keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you'll live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. And to insight, you're my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman or from any kind of temptation, from the wayward woman and her seductive words. Avoiding temptation. We found out that stepping into temptation starts with a heart issue and then moves towards actions. And avoiding temptation is exactly the same. It starts internal and then is expressed in our actions. We need to store up God's wisdom in our hearts. So the thing that we encourage here is just to get a bit of the Bible in your system every day. We talk about the big three. Maybe just pausing to connect with God's truth and God's word. Maybe just making a decision this year to memorise one verse a week. Just treasuring God's word in your heart. Psalm 119 says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
I got my phone and every few days I seem to get a little update, a little software update. Anybody really get those software update reminders? Rosie's always on it. She's always downloading those software updates and sorting out the glitches. I'm a bit slow on doing it. But, do you know, it's a bit like that with getting into God's Word. It's like God is wanting to upgrade the operating system. He wants to put a fresh word in our hearts that gives us perspective and means that we can function well in life. And when we get into the Word, He speaks to us. And, and, and when we've got the, the Word of God in our hearts, it becomes the operating system from which we instinctively respond. So a situation comes, you've got God's word in your heart, and that's the framework, the mental framework from which we make our decisions, our responses. It's somehow in our system. And that's why God says, dwell on it, meditate on it, have it in your heart. One of the final things I want to draw from this passage is that the case study here in Proverbs speaks about a dad chatting to his son. And this son, as he's kind of hearing this story about this naive young guy that gets into a pickle... This young guy is on his own. He's alone in his temptation. That doesn't have to be the case for each of us. We all face temptation, but we don't have to be alone in it. Part of our culture here is to have a transparency and an honesty where we're not just bravado and pretend. We can be real about the things we're actually facing. I've had friends tell me about temptations at work, in the financial realm, in the sexual realm, in all sorts of different spaces. We create honest and real conversations with appropriate people in places like our small groups and prayer times on a Sunday because you could be battling with something personally and just by letting a safe, godly friend in to say, this is what is going on for me. My head is going to strange places right now as I'm facing life or pressures. I'm particularly hungry, angry, lonely, tired. The stress has been incredible. And in the midst of it, I've got this real temptation to turn to this thing for comfort or connection or to make sense of it. Those things are the realities of life when we find ourselves pressured. But this guy faced that temptation alone. We don't have to. We welcome God's truth and presence into us. But we also welcome friends, trusted friends. As I said before, I often chat with pastors and I have an honest conversation. I say, hey, listen, tell me what is the... If the enemy was going to try and take you out in some way or, or really bring that agenda to steal, kill and destroy to home in your life, what would it be? Would it be people-pleasing that means you just compromise on important decisions? Or is it sexual temptation or financial? Is it a bullying style of leadership that you just kind of power goes to your head? What is the vulnerability for you? If you don't know your vulnerabilities, you haven't reflected enough. You need to be aware because the enemy's aware and he's got a plan to try and pull you off track. And God's got a plan to try and bring life in all its fullness. And the invitation is to come as we are, honestly, to our great high priest and welcome his work in our lives. It says this in Hebrews, just speaking about Jesus, the one that can empathise with everything we ever face. Therefore, since we've got a great high priest, the high priest came between man and God, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. This is the great promise that I love. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weakness. Hey, listen, whatever your story, whatever your vulnerability, your pressures, your temptations, Jesus faced the same stuff. We've got one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is how I find this bit most helpful. I find myself saying, Jesus because I've said yes to you and you're my Lord, you live in me. And you face every temptation I'll ever face on this planet. Because anything that will come against me came against you. But you never stepped off God's path. You always made the choice to honour God. 
You live in me by your spirit. Help me in my weakness now. Make a Jesus choice. You're in me, so we can do this. Everything I'm facing, every pressure, every possible compromise, you've been there. You've seen it, you've done it. But you managed to navigate humanity and always please your Father. And you lived life to the full and never had the enemy have a hook in your heart. I want to be like that. And you empower me by your spirit to do that right now. We're going to celebrate uh, communion together as our way of responding to God's word. And I am reminded of a story a little while ago, a friend of mine came to church. Well, he wasn't a friend then, but he became a friend. And um, he'd had some areas where he'd strayed and um, done some damage in his marriage relationship. Uh, He'd actually had an affair and his marriage was hanging on by a thread. It was a really strange time for him. And he'd had a religious background and he'd been to church and taken communion lots of times before. But, but the light of his own kind of choices, how he'd actually damaged those closest to him, was very fresh in his mind. He was deeply aware of his choices and how it had impacted those closest to him. And so there was no confusion about that. And he actually realised for the first time quite what communion represented. It was just... Almost like, not just this religious, I do it and I go home, but crikey, I'm fully aware of my brokenness right now. But I'm more profoundly aware of the goodness of God in the cross. And I just want us to be honest in this moment, that we can be fully aware of our brokenness and our sin and our wrongdoing, those moments that we've strayed. Could be things we've said, things we've done, things we've thought. All of us have got things we need to put right with God. And this isn't just a ritual. This is a moment to honestly acknowledge, Jesus, you see it all. There is no pretending with you. I could kind of put a good face on and the person next to me would have no clue what's in my head or heart or my story. But you see it all. But you love me and you forgive me. And this is a chance to honestly come before God as we are and receive a cleansing of our hearts, our minds, our lives, to stand clean and free in the presence of God. And also this moment might empower us with the courage to not only seek forgiveness right now and to be cleansed by God and filled with his love, but also to make a choice to move towards one or two safe friends who are for us, who are a bit further on in their journey with Jesus. And rather than that thing just being privately confessed and kind of moved on, we confess it to God and he forgives us. But maybe we need to have a chat and a plan with a friend and say, this is a vulnerability for me. I've never really spoken with somebody else. Or this has been a habit that has gone from an occasional thing. It's got quite entrenched and it's got like a hook in my heart. I don't want it to be that way because that's got consequences. It's pulling me off God's best. Two things then for today. The chance to come with gratitude and thanks to this moment of communion, to celebrate the love of God that covers everything we've done that's wrong and to put us back on God's path for us. But a decision in our heart of hearts to say, what is it that maybe I need to talk through with a friend? Maybe you need to do that as a next step as we take communion. Maybe in the week ahead to chat to a small group leader or a friend. Can we stand together? We're going to pray and we'll take communion. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. 
Thanks for listening and God bless.